Hi, this is Brian from It's All Good, Man. We're looking for partners to advertise their product, event, or business right here on our show. We can do on-air reads or professionally produced commercials. Go to www.nothingimportantpodcast.com and click on the sponsor banner for more information. You want to tell the world you're in love with a girl named Fran? So you find an overpass and you say it with a spray paint can. Blue lights start a blink and those handcuffs click. You know who to call and you better call quick. Saul, Saul, you better call Saul. Right, ladies and gentlemen, this is It's All Good, man. The Better, Better Call Saul podcast. I'm Brian, and as always, I'm with my co-host Dave. Dave, how are you doing this evening? Pretty good. I'm ready to get the uh, Breaking Bad version of Golden Hotel started. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So I uh, don't know it's a spin-off of the Golden Girls. <laughs> We're huge fans of Rue McCallahan and B. Arthur. <laughs> awesome. Um before we get started, I just wanted to talk about a couple exciting things. One one of the uh, exciting things, Dave, is we are now the ex- the exclusive podcast for calltosol.com. Yes, we are. That's a pretty interesting little tangent to this project we've been doing i would say yeah it's it's a it's a it's a bunch of guys um about three or four guys really good dudes uh called me up they said they like what we heard uh what they heard from the first episode wanted to know if we if if they if they could put our podcast on their website i said absolutely uh so definitely check them out call you can find all of our new episodes there if you don't see them on itunes and be sure to check it out because it's opinion editorial mm-hmm. it's it's a lot of what Research, we're doing here. articles speculation right what we're ab- doing. absolutely it's, it's totally a legit website call also, before we get going, I really wanted to thank everybody out there for listening to kind of uh, putting us in a pretty prominent place on iTunes. That, that was more than we really expected when we started this project. Absolutely, and, and it's it's just it's absolutely amazing, and it means a lot to me and Dave. So, thank you so much yes, for thanks, guys. Absolutely, thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, make sure to write those great reviews. Make sure to share the show, and make sure that. As you listen to it, write down your notes and participate. Hit us up on Facebook. Uh, send us emails through the website. We want to hear what you have to say about this show as well. Right. We want to interact with the audience because the whole point of this to talk about a show that's going on is interact and let's talk about it. Yeah. So one of the things that we kind of spoke a little bit about before, Dave, that we really enjoyed about Breaking Bad was the foreshadowing of the show. Right. Um. A lot of times, like it'll do a cold opening, and you have no idea what the hell's going on, and suddenly by the end of the episode, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Or even three episodes down the road, like in Breaking Bad, I remember the first time I saw Walt with the beard and the hair, the right. hair, and he gets the weapons out of the trunk of the car, mm-hmm. and then it cut to the to the opening credits of the show. And I don't think I think probably two three episodes went by before you even figured out what the context of that was. I think it started with the fifth. Didn't the fifth season open up like that? Wasn't that the first shot of the fifth season? It may have been. Yeah. And, and I remember because he was making the number fifty two out of bacon. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then that's actually the last episode. So it came full circle. That opening shot of the fifth season is actually from the very last episode of the show, mm-hmm. but. Be, I think the next episode, or maybe that episode with the bacon, he was making the 51 out of bacon. Mm-hmm. So you knew it was going to be a whole nother year before the show even you know, concluded. Right. Started that, to conclude. That, that, was, that was genius, though. Genius. 
Because when they open with that shot, and then it goes to the opening credits, and then you see Walter White, and he's still bald and clean cut. I'm, I'm like, where the hell does that fit in? How do, how do they get from that point? Right. So like throughout the whole episode, I'm thinking, man, there's going to be some sort of big time jump, mm-hmm. or this is actually like a flashback, and at the end of it, then it's going to catch back up where he's going to the trunk of his car and, right. and getting the weapons, but it, it didn't. It just progressed as a normal episode, and then I think the episode after that, I don't even think it referenced that. It, it, it was they, a w- they did a few of those because there was the one, and it all came back in the last episode. There was the one where he was at the diner and he gets the weapons. There's one where he shows up at the house and grabs the, uh, the ricin, mm-hmm. and then he sees the neighbor lady, and that, there was something else I can't remember with with the beard and the glasses and stuff. Yeah, and all that was just setting the stage for mm-hmm. what was coming down the line. Right, right. Um, but then when they got to the episode, you're back to the, the regular chain of events where he's bald, has the goatee, and mm-hmm. not to that point and yet. There was a lot of, in, in retrospect, there was, there was so much foreshadowing that happened. As you watch it again and you watch the whole series mm-hmm. a second time, you pick up, you pick up on things that you, you never – you never really caught the first time that that foreshadows was coming at the end. Um, one of my favorite ones, remember Hank uh, was gifted Tuco's grill, mm-hmm. and it was on his desk like a paperweight. Uh, yep. Yeah, and there was a scene where uh, the way that the camera was positioned, they picked up the paperweight, and the grill inside the paperweight perfectly matched up with Walt's mouth in the background. I didn't notice that. Yeah, it, it perfectly it perfectly matched up, oh. and the whole the whole point of the series is going from Walter White, this mild mannered <laughs> science right. teacher, uh, becoming this crazy kingpin, yeah, kingpin. Psych- sociopathic kingpin. So I took that as when he's holding up the little cube and it perfectly lined up with his mouth. It's saying, hey, his his transformation is almost complete. He's going to become. Tuco. He's he just yeah, just as crazy and you know crazy and homicidal as Tuco, right? Right. Which is exactly what happened. Is exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other ones I really liked was uh, it was it was very subtle, but in the episode where um, where the uh, the the they were in the desert and Jesse was hiding underneath the car. Mm-hmm. Remember, and he's trying like where where uh, Hank gets killed. Right, yeah. and it shows because they had sort of a, a minor shootout, and it shows a reflection of Walter in the in the paint of the car, but the car had been shot uh, during the shootout, mm-hmm. and if you look at it in the middle of the reflection, there's a bullet hole right in the middle of uh, Walter oh, White's reflection. I didn't notice that. Yeah, how do you notice these things? Because I don't pick up on stuff like that. I notice audio, you know, things like that because I'm an mm-hmm. audio guy. Right, but, and that yeah. would probably pass me right up, but yeah. you know, I don't know. Just you for can't some... foreshadow things using audio. Maybe we have to include that. In the right, it, you know, and it's not like I'm the only person to ever see these things. Right, you know, but I, I think my thought process is something will strike me as just a little bit odd, and then I'll realize it like 30 seconds after, and be like, oh shit, mm-hmm. because that's exactly that's exactly how he goes out. He he didn't get shot in his head. He got shot, and he kind of slowly died with a smile on his face mm-hmm. next to all the. Um, the uh, meth lab, uh, yeah, to the meth lab, but that's that's genius foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. It's it's not in your face. It's not exactly. It's subtle, and you got to It's an Easter egg. Yeah, exactly. It's an Easter egg. So I'm kind of hoping that since they've kind of established with Breaking Bad that 
they do all this really intricate foreshadowing to keep using the word. Um, one of the things that they released, one of the first things they released about Better Call Saul was the Better Call Saul theme mm-hmm. by Junior Junior Brown. Brown. And you're, you're a big fan of Junior Brown. Yeah, yeah, Junior Brown changed my life. Yeah. I would say, yeah, it was just a show of the Grand Ole Opry. I was on a high school trip and didn't never heard the guy before. Highway Patrol was a big song. Mm-hmm. And then, the, yeah, the dude just takes the stage and just blows my mind. He's the most amazing guitar player I've probably ever seen live. Yeah, and for, for those of you listening, just to put it in the context, uh, Dave plays multiple instruments, and he's also a professional audio engineer, and he does a lot of the, the setup and editing and mixing uh, with our podcasts and such. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I sent that song to you, you were really excited because you're like, holy shit, that's that's Junior Brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? I mean, this uh, amazing artist, he he created his own instrument, right? Yeah, he created the, the Git Steel. The Git Steel, which is a steel a, guitar with a, a regular guitar and... He plays them both. We're playing both in the same song sometimes. Right. Yeah. And uh, uh, big fan of Jimi Hendrix. Right. Yeah. He's a yeah. He's a he's a rock inspired country picker, and yeah. And you'll hear it. And and I purposely put that on the fade out is mm-hmm. the solo to that song because he's such a great soloist. I wanted to make that sure. solo in that song is amazing. By the way. Yeah. And that's not even like the best solo. Like just the the subtleties and the and mm-hmm. you know like such heavy tones and then the subtleties behind that as he. Oh yeah, that's the dude, that, that's so, the dude that knows his instrument. So now uh, we're about two weeks after this episode will get posted from the first episode of Better Call Saul, mm-hmm. and I'm just hoping that they built such a huge reputation of of bringing stuff from one point from point A and making it connect with point B, and also doing stuff in real life. Like for example, if you call, you can go to Better Call Saul. Dot com and see Saul's actual website. You can you can watch his funny little commercials where it's like, "Did you know you had rights?" It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so silly. But uh, there's a phone number on there too, and if you call the phone number, it's it's hold music, just like if you called a busy law office, and then it's the total like while you're waiting, <laughs> like and then he gives like his little pitch, right. and eventually it'll hang up on you after he keeps guaranteeing you that he'll get to your call, and it'll, <laughs> it'll eventually hang up on you. So there's a lot of like real world like almost interactive marketing between like those of us in the audience and these characters in the show. Right. So we talked, what was his first case going to be? And I think, I think I know what it is. I've, I've skimmed reviews. I didn't really want to do spoilers because I kind of wanted to right. have like the big surprises as most of our audience has the big surprises. Yes. Yes. Um, but there, there are some details that have leaked in the advanced reviews and such. Uh, and we may talk about that in a little bit. But I was thinking, how cool would it be if you listen to the Better Call Saul theme song? How cool would it be if the crimes that he describes going on in the Better Call Saul theme song? What if peppered throughout the series, yeah. they actually uh, Saul is charged with uh, being a lawyer for the people that are committing these crimes? Right, or you know, maybe even something is like you might see some paperwork or something that might have one of the crimes from the song on it, and like the way a Breaking Bad would do an Easter egg. Right. You know? Yeah. Exactly, like, like in order in the song. Or he'd be on the phone and be like, I'll get to your case about... Right, Yeah. right. In the song, in order, uh, there's a DUI. It's the guy has too many Long Island iced teas, mm-hmm. you know, and gets pulled over. Then it's a very simple crime, vandalism, because he falls in love with a girl named Fran, and then he goes and spray paints it on an overpass. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, it's retail theft. 
It describes a guy shopping at Walmart and he decides to steal a George Foreman grill by sticking it down his pants. Mm -hmm. So those are like minor ones. Mm -hmm. But then it has a solo or a bridge and then it becomes like these hilarious like felonies, like big time crimes. Like the first one is insurance fraud, uh, insurance fraud and murder. Very big crime. Because he's describing, <laughs> he's describing uh, the, he's describing a woman who's, Husband conveniently disappears, uh. and the insurance company is going to pay her. Mm. So maybe there'll be like some sort of case where it's exactly that a guy a guy disappears really conveniently, right? And this woman gets caught with insurance fraud by trying to cash in his life insurance policy, right? Uh, after that, it's arson and murder because it describes a retail shop owner whose business is tanking, so he. It's implied that he burns down the business, but to compound that, they didn't know that there was a homeless person sleeping, like in the business. So maybe there will be something where somebody has a, like just like a dilapidated storefront or a warehouse, and they're like, "Man, I got to get some money out of this, so I'm gonna I'm gonna burn it down." Right. Thinking they can get away with it, think they thought of everything, and some vagabond because this place has been vacant for a long time mm -hmm. has been sneaking in and sleeping, and now it goes to murder because they just burnt down a building on top of a human being sleeping in. Yeah. In the space, and then the last one, it's <laughs> it's the mo it's tragically hilarious, <laughs> but uh, it's kidnapping because it describes um it describes a person in an ice cream truck answering questions by the police, but how he gets caught is you can hear the children crying that are locked up in the back of the ice cream truck. <laughs> that's dark, yeah. <laughs> right? Th a lot of, but I mean that's that's kind of. That's kind of the feel of the show, right? Yeah, I was like, going to say it, uh, a lot of the of the advanced reviews and stuff are commenting that uh, it's going to be a little. Some say darker than Breaking Bad, right? Which Breaking Bad's dark, right? A lot, of, a lot of bad shit happens. Yeah, but Breaking Bad, like there is some comedic elements, and Saul's definitely the comic relief. But the the trailers are making it seem that there is going to be more humor. And a little more of the the wackiness and farce mm -hmm. to it, while still going to be dark, and he's still going to be mixed with bad people. So the media machine is kind of starting to gear up. I, I'm sure before before it airs for the first time, before the series premiere, it's just going to be fucking everywhere. Oh yeah, and they got to compete with the Super Bowl for ad, ad space for the next. Oh, I'm, I'm sure you'll probably see some yeah. sort of like cross promotion from the Super Bowl mm -hmm. as well. And if there are Super Bowl commercials featuring Saul, we'll be sure to talk about that as well. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. But reading some of the pre reviews and some of the interviews with uh, Vince Gilligan and. Uh, the producers and Bob Odenkirk himself mm -hmm. talked about initial talks. How, well, how it all started, it was kind of a joke on set where they kept saying, well, when are we going to make a show about Saul? Mm -hmm. And they didn't want to do it. And then when it kind of became like, like, you know what, actually, that might not be a bad idea. It was supposed to originally be like a half an hour comedy show. Hmm. Makes sense. It, it does, because he, he was the comic relief in Breaking Bad. But then yeah. as it progressed, it went from a half hour comedy to a full hour drama with some comedy in it. So they were describing it as being 80% drama, 20% comedy. Ratio I can deal with. Right. <laughs> hopefully they, yeah. It, well, hopefully they don't make it too like, like, like I don't want, I, I, I hope that they keep the same tone where the comedy in it is like a darker comedy, mm -hmm. like more of a like, 
holy shit, I can't believe that type comedy. Like, yeah. I, I hope there isn't a lot of slapsticks. Right. Yeah. Ridiculous. Um, you know, like Pratt Falls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> shit like that, you know? Like, we don't need, like, like the classic sitcom wacky neighbor like yeah exactly <laughs> yeah like larry and three's company like <laughs> like yeah. we we don't need a larry you know i i hope it's very um just that that dark pointed comedy where a lot of the humor comes from holy shit i can't believe they did that and man that is absolutely ridiculous right also we talked about last week we we kind of started making predictions and mm-hmm. uh we we started talking about what we how we how we thought the 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 shows were were going to tie in, right? Right. Uh, I made the comment that you know at, towards the end of Breaking Bad, Saul remarks how he's he's going to end up being like a fry cook at a fast food restaurant, mm-hmm. and I was actually uh, corrected by listener uh, Ryan Van Aken. Uh, Saul actually makes the comment that he's actually going to end up working in a Cinnabon. Right, right, and I don't want to spoil it for any uh, anybody, but all the reviews are talking about like, yes, that is exactly what happens. Is the opening shot is Sal working at at a Cinnabon, and we call that backdoor bragging. Backdoor bragging. <laughs> <laughs> How you were like, I was wrong, but I was totally right. Yeah, I'm just gonna put that out there. I was so incorrect. I was 100 percent correct. <laughs> but I mean, like Big Whoop, right? That's not exactly a hard call to make. Right, yeah. Where the hell else could the series have picked up? Right. You know, I would, you know, speaking of that real quick, uh, one thing I hope they explore too is that's, that's awesome that they're, they're, they're keeping that and he's going to open at the Cinnabon. Mm -hmm. But remember Walt went into the mountains and he was hidden. Remember he came in on like the propane truck and and he was hiding in the mountains. I would like to see like Sal's journey to working at Cinnabon. Yeah. Like where he went after they left the cleaners. Right, because presumably, presumably after they found uh, Walt's dead body, right, in, the, in that universe, shit had to be going crazy, right? It had to be a major, major news story. Oh, yeah. It was like, so anybody that has any connection whatsoever, uh, any of the characters, th- where th- there has to be, where did they go? Remember, we talked about Huel. The yeah. last time you see Huel, he's just kind of sitting in the room. Right. Like there's, there's loose ends because, like, Ted is a loose end. Um, you know, he sent the DEA to the the uh, the longitude latitudinal coordinates of where Hank's buried. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, a lot of things are a lot of things were set in motion as the series concluded. Right, and in another, uh, you know, uh, interviews with the producers and such, they they let it be known that it doesn't just start with him at a Cinnabon and then go six years earlier. Mm-hmm. We talked about time jumps. Weird time and, jumps. And that's been confirmed as well. There's going to be all sorts of crazy time jumps. So I hope as we're, we're learning about the life of uh, Jimmy McGill, I hope they jump to the, to the future uh, at like between mm-hmm. the series as well. And the tie up loose ends that way, because I, I would really like to see his journey mm-hmm. to how he got to the Cinnabon. Cause a Walt was hidden out for like a couple months, right? Yeah, it was several months. It was it was several months, and then and then how that ended is is how that ended. So presumably, anybody that was involved in that would have gone through a similar process, right? So I'd like to see like maybe an episode where half of it is spent. It's Saul sitting on the bench waiting for the shitty minivan <laughs> to come pick him up, and where they hide him out, and how he gets to. To the Cinnabon, and uh, hopefully it shows his process as well, like getting Which, the new identity. And so, what this is reminding me of is that when the Disappearer deals with Walter, he secludes Walter. 
and says, this is what you do now. I'm the only person you need to contact. I bring you supplies. You're gone. Mm-hmm. Did he treat Saul the same way? Because he's working at a Cinnabon in like a mall or something. So he's obviously back in the public. So did he have those same stipulations as part of his disappearing act is what I'm wondering. Right. And so that begs the question, how long from the events of the end of Breaking Bad till he got he could be in public and working at a Cinnabon? What what transpired in that? Like, how long did that take? Right. And you kind of uh, brought up a point off air, too. What if he didn't? What if Saul didn't exactly go through the entire process? Mm. Remember, because Walt, there was a lot of temptation for him to leave, because Ed, uh, the disappearer, was like, "I can't stop you from leaving this gate, but just know if I find out you've left, you you've left, you know, you went past this gate, you will never hear from me again." Right. Right. Hands are washed. Right. So I mean, there was there was a little bit of free will in there, right? He mm-hmm. wasn't exactly a hostage. It was more of like, "Hey, you paid me to help you. Right. If you fuck it up." That's on you. Right. And and I'm done. You're, my services are no longer rendered. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But maybe Saul does, doesn't does go through the process. Maybe the disappearer never actually places him. Maybe yeah. maybe he causes some shit with Ed. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And now he's got to escape Ed because the thing is, is Ed's a very mild-mannered, he's a, he's a vacuum repair, mm-hmm. uh, a vacuum repair guy, but presumably he'd have to be one of the most dangerous individuals in Breaking Bad. Yeah. To gain that to gain that reputation and to know how to make people disappear off the face of the earth and have the connections to build them a whole new identity, right? He quietly has to be one of the most dangerous yeah, people like in Breaking Bad. How did Bad. he acquire all these places that he sends people to? Right. You know, those are his places. Right. So I, I what, so it'd be great if a it showed uh, at some point we learn how Sal learned of him because mm-hmm. that can't be somebody that just advertises their services right it's not like he's out handing business cards and going to conventions and all that other yeah, shit yeah, exactly. you know how does Saul find out that that guy even has those services because yeah. that wouldn't be the kind of person you could just walk up to him and be like hey do you know how to make people disappear right. exactly. and i'm sure he would never just like, hang out at like some courtroom or something and be like yeah. hey you need help for 50 grand i can make this guy disappear right. he's a vacuum cleaner i mean was he go to the kirby convention and start handing his cards <laughs> out to people well maybe maybe he's uh <laughs> maybe he's a client of Saul's. Maybe he started off as a client of Saul's. Yeah, that's a that's a thing. Or or if you you know the Jimmy McGill to Saul Goodman could have been his thing. You know, if he's involved in switching identities and stuff, that could be it. Right, because you brought you brought up the point where you you don't think he's Jimmy McGill. I yeah, I, I don't want to like right, say we, that we with learned- so much certainty, but I I just have this inkling that maybe this isn't the first time he changed his identity. He could be Jimmy right. McGill. So like when we learn of him, he's Saul Goodman, mm-hmm. and then. He makes a comment that previous to that he was Jimmy McGill, mm-hmm. and you have and in the trailers they're calling him Jimmy, right? But you, Dave, my theory it, is it, your theory is is that he's somebody else altogether, and Jimmy McGill might even be like the second or third right name that he's come up with, right? Man, that's yeah. so good. I wish I would have thought of that. That's a good. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great. That's a great idea. And who else? Who else has he done it for? Yeah, you know, I, because I because I, I'd like to think. This kind of thinking of the people from Breaking Bad that I would like to see be re- reoccurring characters that aren't shoehorned in. Mm-hmm. I think Ed would fit perfectly like that because maybe maybe Sal represents him at some point, learns of his services, and then they build their little right. build their little partnership. So that is like a natural a natural fit for the show. That that's right. a character from Breaking Bad that would have a natural fit. I feel in Better Call Saul. Right, and 
I want to correct myself from the last time about where I said that uh, Saul and Tuco had a relationship, but it was actually Saul and Crazy Eight and Crazy Eight's cousin, and that is a pre-existing relationship prior to the first series of first season of Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. So that's another relationship that I would not be shoehorned in, in my opinion. It could be a nice natural right thing, right? But that's. I, I guess that's the, that's the beauty of the series, right? There, there's so many ways that that this spinoff can go. Mm-hmm. It's damn near impossible to to predict because the way they wrote it, they, there's so many variables. There, there's right. so much just shit going on, and that's why I think it's going to be really fun. And I think that's where a lot of the comedy is going to come from. Is like the holy shit, that's how that guy fits in, right? Yeah. Right? Because the teasers, the teasers show when Saul met Mike. He he was a parking lot attendant, which I'm thinking. I wanted to comment on this is that I think it might be like the parking lot to the courthouse or something like he's still involved in law enforcement. Right. But well, maybe he's, you know, he said he was retired, so maybe he's retired from the beat, but that's just kind of his cushy job is. Right. You but know, he does say, and I did not know this because I hadn't finished the series last week. He says he's from Philadelphia. He says he was a cop in Philadelphia, mm. which goes to your big city Midwestern thing. No, is that New England? It's somewhere out on the right East in between Coast. where we said, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, because yeah, and who knows? That could be a scene from you know back in the day before they get to Albuquerque, or that could be a scene in Albuquerque, or you know, mm-hmm. who knows where it takes place. But it definitely seemed like he was that was still a law enforcement based. Right, he's he's still he's still involved in that community. He's still a part of that community, but he he might not be. You know, on the force anymore, right? Which makes sense because if he was on the force, why the fuck would he be taking parking tickets? Yeah, you know, exactly. like 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 letting people in a parking garage. Um, so before we wrap this up, then predictions, right? Um, we've both been skimming reviews and interviews and trying to get information without spoiling it for ourselves, so we could be just as excited and, and right. geeked out about it as anybody listening to this podcast as it actually airs live. Mm-hmm. But the one common thing that that all the current reviews talk about is everybody always thought that there was going to be a major character from breaking bad that was going to make appearance early on in better call Saul to kind of tie, tie the shows together. Yeah. One of them went a little deeper than I'm willing to say, Mm -hmm. but it's going to affect my opinion. I will just say that when we get to it. Okay. So if you were to take a guess and make a prediction, who is the person in the first episode that's going to make an appearance that's going to shock everybody? I'm thinking at first, can I say two? Yeah. Because my first opinion was on it was Crazy 8, mm-hmm. but he's not a big character. Right. I'm thinking. He's very pivotal, though. He is super pivotal because that's the beginning of the end of Walter. Mm-hmm. Um, so that or Gus. Okay, so you're saying Crazy 8 or Gus? Yeah. I personally, I don't think it's a bad guy. I think it's Hank. I think he's working a case because if you remember, because right, they're both case law enforcement, right? And when you first see uh, when Sal's first episode, him and uh, Hank pass each other in the hallway of of the courthouse and start talking shit to each other. I didn't remember that. Remember, it was very, it was, they were very familiar with each other. Because they have a history. Cause right. Because Saul was like, what does the DEA want with this, with this shithead? Right. And then Hank fires back, like, oh, I don't know. Are you doing like some of your shitty commercials? And then they kind of go back and forth and make like your mama jokes, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm th- that, right, taking it? that into context, 
that might be who I think is the person that at the end of the episode, maybe he's working on some case. And the the big reveal is one of the key witnesses for uh, one of the key witnesses for the prosecution is a, a very early young Hank from the DEA. That's a pretty good. Uh, I like it. See that. So that's my prediction. So you're going with crazy eight or. Or Gus, I'm I'm thinking it's somebody involved in a non-American side of the business, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a bad guy. So you're going total bad guy. I I I, I, get, I get a feeling that I I like to think that it's Hank, and I I think that's great. And then how I'd like to see that if if it, if it was Hank, that it doesn't spend a lot of time on their relationship. Right. It's just more of a shock, like. Oh yeah, I didn't re- like. That's right. They did seem like they knew each other mm-hmm. before, before Breaking Bad, yeah. and maybe not a recurring character, but somebody sprinkled throughout like the first season of Better Call Saul. Something happens and he ends up running into the the DEA because then that would also make sense when you think about all the different kind of uh, drug connections that Saul had. Right. You know, maybe Hank is somebody he's he's just accustomed to seeing. You know, maybe they don't talk all the time or even have any professional courtesy or respect to each other, mm-hmm. but they know of each other. Because if you think about the way that they did in Breaking Bad, at first I was like, oh, well, he obviously knows him because he references the shitty commercial. But then you go back and watch it, the way that it was played out, it was it was almost as if they had run into each other before. I think and- I, I think that my first thought when I, when I saw that was that shady lawyer, DEA agent. They've probably been in a few cases together. Right, and know. just cross paths. And right. so the banner back and forth, it, there was obviously some venom there. They obviously don't like each other. Mm-hmm. But like it's it, like I took it as almost it was one of those things where it's like, <sighs> I don't like that guy, but I just kind of have to put up with them, you know? So, right. it, you know, you just kind of like nitpick at each other from across the room, you know? Like it'll never come to blows or anything just like pot that. shots. Yeah, yeah. But, but like if you get a chance to like kind of like stick them with the knife and turn it a little bit, like yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a rise out of them. That's how I took that. So that's that's my prediction as far as who, who the, the, big, the big reveal is going to be on the first episode. Cool. I also think it's going to be Jesse or Walter and maybe one of the family members or no. Yeah, I also think it'll be somebody that was in Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I I do like that. I kind of like your prediction more than mine. Yeah, actually, because that would make a lot more well, just as much sense because mine is based off of past legal you know issues, and mm-hmm. pre-existing relationships prior to the show too. So. Right, but it not. I don't think it's gonna be anybody he met for the first time in Breaking Bad. Right. And for those of you listening, please make sure to hit us up. Uh, you can see uh, the Saul Goodman uh, portion of the website at www.nothingimportantpodcast.com. Make sure to go on there. Send us your suggestions. Send us your predictions. We'd like to see who you are, uh, who you're kind of betting on, who is the major Breaking Bad character that appears in the first episode of Better Call Saul. Because we want it, we want to interact with you. We want your predictions. We want your opinions. We want you to tell us why we're full of shit. And we'll be more than happy if you guess it right. Whoever guesses it right, even if it's 10 people, we'll make sure to give your props on air. And that concludes episode two of It's All Good, Man. Thank you so much for listening. Please keep those reviews and uh, keep those reviews and star ratings coming. We appreciate everything you've done for us just after one episode. You can find us on Facebook. It's All Good, Man. You can find us at www.nothingimportantpodcast.com. Call us geniuses, call us ideas, whatever. Just call us. You heard me. You better call.